G'day, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Pot on You Loons. This is James. Hey, Pot on You Loons. This is Sam. There's no Justin today. Yeah, Yeah. no Justin. No Justin. No Doomsday. No Doomsday. Um, No Doomsday. I mean, he is a guest. Well, I, I shouldn't call him a guest. He's. He's like the fourth member of the show, but he really only comes on during the summer because he doesn't have time for us during football season. No, no, that's very true. Um, we we found out an interesting stat, didn't we, this week, Sam? Yes. Uh, quick, quick question for you, then, I guess, before we get into this: How many fantasy f- NFL football leagues are you in? Um, I think five. Okay. I think five. How many are you in? I'm in four. I was in five, but I cut back this year. I think my highest was like nine. And I'm in five, but I don't like really want to be in five. I kind of got my arm twisted to join a fifth this year. One mm-hmm. of them is very laid back. Most of the people didn't even show up to the draft. It's just kind of a family league. But yeah, I'm in five leagues. I don't know. The leagues that I'm in, I really like the people that are in them. And that, that's why I play. I mean, I'm in one of them, so that helps. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great example. I don't even like the scoring of that league. I don't like that it's a dynasty league. I don't like that it has defensive players, but I really like the people that are in it, like James and Doomsday and many people. I I mean, obviously, I met James through that league. There's a couple of other guys that live in New York that came out to Lambo last year that Jeremy and I got to meet in person for the first time. So that, that is a really fun league. Yeah. So everyone out there, like, and I put this on Twitter yesterday. If you had to guess how many leagues is Doomsday Jeremy in? Just everyone right now, think of a number in your mind. (laughs) And then think higher. (laughs) And then think higher. (laughs) Like how many leagues would be excessive? And then triple that. And that's probably how many leagues Jeremy's in. So everyone have a number in your mind. And I'm going to reveal it in three, two, one. 122. That is, oh my God. It's, it's just so many. And I have, I, I, I guess you have the breakdown as well, right? I also have the breakdown. He told us, so he's in 122 leagues, which is 46 best ball leagues. And for those of you like me who didn't know what best ball meant, that meant, you draft and then you don't do anything. It automatically yeah. takes your optimal lineup, does all the things. I think uh, those leagues, my understanding is those leagues are for people that in the summer months, they're just really anxious for football season to get started. So you can yeah. join as many basketball leagues as you want. I, I think a lot of them have prizes attached to them. So maybe you can't afford as many entry fees as you want, but you join these leagues, you draft a team and then it just picks your optimal lineup for you. You can't pick up players. You can't drop players. You do literally nothing for the season. You just draft your team and find out several months later if you won or not. Yeah. So there's 15 guillotine or guillotine leagues, Yeah. which from my understanding is the one where last place gets chopped off and you're out, right? Yeah. Every week. So instead of going head to head with each other every week, like, I just joined one of these. So there's 16 Ah. teams. You don't play head to head all 16 teams every week. You're just trying to um, not put up the worst score because if you put up the worst score, that team is eliminated. 
and yep. all of their players go into free agency and people basically have to bid for those players. Okay. So 15 of them, <laughs> uh, 12 money leagues, which I think is just leagues that you pay money to enter and you yeah. can win. And 49 free slash charity leagues. Cause I know wow. that the Scott fish bowl is in there and, and there's probably one or two others, but damn. Wow. 122 leagues. And then I sent a, I, I pushed a tweet to Jeremy today because Travis Kelsey uh, might not play this week. And I went, and how many of the 122 teams did this hurt you in? And his response was, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I remember from my days living with him when I played way more fantasy football. I remember he was very much a disciple of the school of thought where you have to have one of the elite tight ends. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he had Travis Kelsey in a lot of leagues. And now he might not have Travis Kelsey in those leagues. Hopefully, I mean, Travis Kelsey seems like a good guy. Hopefully he's coming back, but. Yeah, him and his brother do a podcast, actually. Yeah. Jason, Jason, yeah. Oh, that could be interesting. Okay. Yeah. So Labor Day weekend. Right? Well, oh, hold on. Oh, like, oh, oh, hold on. How many leagues, like if you, if he didn't just tell us. Yeah. The amount of, like he kind of uh, dropped the ball a little bit because he should have had us gas, like closest without going over we could have yeah. made a game out of it like uh, price is right yeah yeah which r.i.p that just happened right yeah 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 lots of deaths just happened this was a bad week for celebrity deaths anyway r.i.p bob barker um uh, also uh r.i.p while we're on the subject uh steve harwell smash mouth yeah, yeah. well and jimmy buffett yeah did you know who jimmy buffett was uh, I've heard the name, but like I'm not. <laughs> Let me, yeah, maybe I probably probably know more than I than I. Margaritaville, cheeseburger in paradise. Yeah, I listened not... to Jimmy Buffett all weekend long after hearing that he died. That one was sad for me. I know Justin was a huge Smash Mouth fan from his time traveling back and forth between Hawaii and Minnesota as a kid with only the Astro Lounge CD and nothing else, but. <laughs> no, that's always a anyway. Like Jeremy should have had he should have not revealed the number right away. He should have asked us to guess highest without going over. I would have only guessed that he was in maybe 60. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure we talked about it a couple of years ago and he was in maybe like 50, 60. And at that point he was already like, Yeah, this is pretty much like where my limit is. And then yeah. Somehow it, he's yeah, got so 122. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny, like a lot of the guys that I'm in one of my main leagues with, he, he's in that league. And a lot of those guys are who started this guillotine league and they invited Jeremy to join and he turned them down. And he was like, yeah, I don't really know why I turned it down. That That's not really like me. He was like, I was just in too many leagues. <laughs> I mean, if you take 122 leagues and 46 of them, you draft once and forget. I mean, are you technically only in like 70, 78 leagues, 76 leagues? I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's how that works. I mean, other than you saw how much money he put in total, right? I think yes. a lot of those best ball leagues are about ten dollars a piece to get into. Yeah. Cause wow. what 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 was his money total? Like one thousand four hundred? Uh it was over fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> now which, to his credit, of which, he's 
50 of them are free, right? 50 yeah. of them are free slash charity, 49. Technically. But he's going to win a lot of that money back. He always does. Yeah, he, like, like, yeah, don't, don't get us wrong. Like, he might be in 122 leagues, but Jesus, he is good at what he does. Like, yes, yes. You can be like Jeremy, um, like the, the fourth string wide receiver for the Cardinals. Like, what am I looking at here? Like, is this a 12th or 13th rounder? And you'll just get like a stat sheet. Like, the man absolutely knows his stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't, don't, it's not just him burning money here. Like, oh man. And I, you know, now granted, I remember him doing this when he was in only like 50 or 60 leagues. We don't need to keep talking about this, but he also like legit plays in all of these minus the best ball ones that are set it and forget it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Labor day weekend. Yeah. So you guys had labor day weekend and for someone who doesn't uh, have a state fair or has not visited a state fair, what, what is a state fair? (laughs) Does every state have one? I'm assuming if you're a bigger state, do you have more than one? Like does Texas only have one or does each, Part of Texas get one, for example, or like how does how does it work? I don't understand. Uh, you know, and I, I might not thing. be the best person to answer this question. Okay, well, you're <laughs> yeah. the only one here, so yeah, yeah. So to help us out, and I guess I didn't realize that this was a uniquely American thing. Yeah, pretty much every state has a state fair. I believe the bigger states, like California, I, I believe they have like their state fair, but then they'll have more like regional fairs, mm-hmm. like a maybe a. Southern California State Fair or Northern California State Fair. Don't quote me on California. I know that they have some smaller (laughs) regional ones. But like Minnesota has one state fair. Wisconsin has one state fair. But then like every state, most of the counties have their own fair as well. Okay. So like, I I don't know. I guess I've never heard of the Hennepin County Fair now that I live in Hennepin County. I'm sure there is one. I don't know. But I, I remember when I lived in Madison, there was the Dane County Fair. When I lived in Eau Claire, there was the Eau Claire County Fair. So, like, there's typically smaller fairs, too. But, yeah, every state has a state fair, and maybe the bigger ones have some regional ones, too. And, yeah, they all, like, kind of originated in the 1800s, I think, to more or less showcase agriculture and to kind of get people in from all corners of the state. I think originally primarily around agriculture, but then there started to be more fun things too, like, well, like food and rides, rides and games and competitions and things like that. And now there's a lot of music and concerts. And so the Minnesota one, like, I'll be honest, like in Wisconsin, people don't take the state fair nearly as serious as they take it in Minnesota. And I, I think as a Minnesconsonite uh, who originated in Wisconsin, <laughs> I think that, right, I talked about this an episode or two ago. I think I've never been able to fully care about the state fair the way that a lot of native Minnesotans do, where their families have just tradition of going at least once a year. My future sister-in-law has gone at least four times already. Just this year. Sorry, just this year she's gone four times. I've gone three times in the 12 years that I've lived here. I've gone three (laughs) times. And I... (laughs) <laughs> used to literally live within walking distance to the fair. And it's and it's two weeks or something, right? Yeah, it's about two weeks. Okay. Because we we have like, when I lived in Australia, I mean, now that I live in the Netherlands, from what I understand is some of the towns and villages have like fates and stuff, but it's it's more like an afternoon, maybe a weekend rather than 
two weeks. But I know when we lived in Australia, like when I lived in Perth, we had uh, the Perth Royal Show, which kind of sounds quite similar. Like, I think it was a week. It was kind of around Easter, so it was like school holidays and stuff, so so kids could easily go and we would have, you know, there would be, uh, yeah, like little dog shows and like rides and lumberjack things and ag- it, that was also quite agricultural as well. And like the petting zoo and there'd yeah. be a lot of show bags and different kinds of food and yeah, so, okay. So it's kind of similar to that, but I guess just on a much larger scale. I guess because ours wasn't two weeks. Like yeah. ours was maybe like a week, if that. And, and I did go this year for the third time in the twelve years I've lived here. I did. I did go this year. I went right when it opened at seven a.m. I had my wagon, my little radio flyer wagon that I was pulling my kids in. We got there right away. We walked around a little bit. We found kind of this farm simulation to take them through where they got to pretend they were farmers. We went into this butterfly exhibit where they had butterflies landing on them. I got a great picture of my son freaking out, right? He's two and he's oh, just yeah. freaking out. <laughs> he realized a butterfly was on his shoulder and he was not thrilled about it. Uh, you know, got him some treats. My daughter went on the merry-go-round and then about 10, right? We got there at seven, about 10, it got to the point where I'm like, oh man, this was fun until it wasn't and we need to go. Like it was way <laughs> too busy and I'm trying to pull this wagon around and yeah, like <laughs> I, I got pretty fared out, but I imagine it, it's gotta be a blast to go in the evening. Maybe that's my thing is I've never gone in the evening when you can just kind of get some drinks in you, maybe see some music, eat fireworks, the food. I guess. Yeah. There's probably fireworks. I've never been there late enough to enjoy that, but yeah, I mean like, you talk about the 1800s. I mean, the Perth Royal Show has also been going since 1834 sure. and, is the, and is an agricultural show. So I assume it was based just kind of based off the, the state fairs and kind of stuff. It's yeah. actually uh, end of this month, 23rd to the 30th of September. So it's a week. In there you go. There you go. I, I did go to the Minnesota United booth. I spun the wheel and I won a koozie. My wife nice. won sunglasses. This wasn't even an option when I spun the wheel, but Doomsday goes the next day, and Doomsday won Minnesota United tickets to see the New England game, and he's going to bring me with, assuming that he wasn't mad at me about what we just talked about, his 122 drafts. So (laughs) assuming I'm not uninvited, I am planning on mooching off of Doomsday and the tickets that he just won at the fair. That was cool. Went, went to the Aurora station as well. They had a lot of merch on sale. That was kind of the main thing they had going on. But yeah. got you your sweatshirt and Carmen a sweatshirt. So yeah, I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to get that fair yeah. exclusive merch. Yeah, Which, uh, yeah. When you're an out of towner, is uh, <laughs> is quite difficult to get unless you uh, have someone who's there to help you. So yeah, yeah. Well, cool. That. Yeah, let's let's move on though. Let's talk about Minnesota United. Really, the only big piece of news. I don't even know if this is really news. I think it's more <laughs> just interesting. So the Pookie family is moving out of the Lud family home. So according to a tweet by Andy Greeter, I'll just read it verbatim. Note: Minnesota forward Timo Pookie 
is getting settled in his new home in Minnesota, moving out of Robin Lud's house. He, his wife, and two daughters are now welcoming a third child he shared online on Friday. So, I mean, first of all, congratulations on baby number three, Timo. Congrats. That is awesome. Yeah. And uh, I guess he finished his time at the Lod House. So he had uh, to move out. I see what you did there. Thank you. <laughs> In the last episode, Doomsday talked about Pookie's finishing and didn't even make a pun to go with it. And I was like, James would have chimed in on that. Yes, I didn't say I, that out loud, but I was thinking it. No, I would have. I did, like, when I was listening back to it. <laughs> you missed an opportunity. I, again, this isn't really news. I do find it interesting, right? Timo Puki, a famous athlete, a legit famous athlete. Like, we knew his name prior to him joining Minnesota United because of yeah, his yeah. time in the Premier League. Like, Pookie Party was a massive thing. So, a legit famous athlete. You don't really think of them having housing issues when they move across the ocean to come play for a team and, you know, make good money playing soccer. It had to have been disruptive, right? You know, obviously, Lud is recovering from injury, so Lud hasn't been playing, but... It had you to been... just sitting at home, like waiting for Pookie to come back. <laughs> so I wrote some notes. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but that had to have been, I, I mean, I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure everyone got along. But it's always a little uncomfortable when you stay somewhere long term and don't really have your own space. Probably sharing more bedrooms and bathrooms than you're used to, kind of cramming into the kitchen. Right? It's a little awkward. I don't know how much that has affected Pookie in terms of his play, but I mean, who knows being settled, getting comfortable that could really help the guy really get going in terms of scoring goals. Yeah. Why not? I think like once you've kind of got your own space, you kind of build into a rhythm, right? Like when you're kind of a guest at someone else's house, it's always a little, it's always a little weird, I think. Yeah. And we all relate to that. Now, I was listening to the Lunacy. So we're, we're a couple days later than we normally come out. Lunacy already published. And they, they were talking a lot about sort of just Timo Puki coming in. And, and now, it, you know, like he had a goal the other day in San Jose. Could have had two. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. We will. <laughs> so, you know, maybe now he's starting to kind of be who we brought him in to be. But he definitely has been off to a slow start. And I think us as Minnesota United fans, we've been sort of trying to make sense of that in like, you know, is this just, is he just next in the line of strikers we come in that under deliver on their promises? uh, Or should we be patient with him and legit that patience is going to pay off? I think like we, just because we, we're so ready to get hurt again and to be disappointed again. I think we <laughs> have been more than willing to be patient with, with Pookie and maybe, right. Maybe this is sort of an explanation for why patience is necessary. But I, I thought what the lunacy guys sort of said made a lot of sense is at least one of the lunacy guys brought up, you know, yeah, like patience really paid off with Robin Wood. 
But Robin Wood wasn't brought in with all the hype and fanfare that Pookie was brought in with. Or like the other strikers we've brought in. They weren't brought in, you know, Angela Rodriguez was not brought in with the hype and fanfare. Luis Amaria, even though he maybe was pretty overly confident in himself and definitely <laughs> definitely hyped himself up quite a bit and got us all, all excited. You know, like Luis Amaria didn't come in with the same hype and fanfare that Timo Pukki has come in with. I mean, maybe Adrian Hunu would be the closest example, like where we're like, oh man, like a legit, like big five league striker coming in, like, oh, he must be good. But, but I mean, even him, like, we didn't know his name. We didn't know Adrian Hunu's name before he got here. Pookie, we did. So a lot of hype and fanfare coming in with Timo Pookie. And, right, I, I think that that leads us to not want to be patient and not want to give him the same amount of patience that we would give other players. But, right, at, at the same time, like, I, I think that that was just a good point by the Lunacy guys. And I would, if you haven't listened to this week's episode by the Lunacy, I'd recommend go check it out. It was relatively early in their discussion where they were talking about it. And yeah, maybe the hype and fanfare, just to summarize, the hype and fanfare that Pookie received, I think has caused Minnesota United fans to not necessarily want to be patient, but maybe the patient's starting to pay off. Yeah, I agree. And like we... I guess we we can talk about this after after we do the check in. But geez, they were two good goals. I know only one counted, but whew, they look good. That was a, that, that looks like a guy that's starting to put it together, right? And starting to get the link up with Ray, and you know, would have been two Ray assists, two Pookie goals, and that second finish was was real good. <laughs> like top of the net, absolutely binned it over the keeper, like. Whew. That was a sexy goal. It was in the end. It was no goal, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, it was that was a that was a confident finish, I think, and that's that's what I was excited to see. Like you, you don't try to do that unless you you are pretty sure you're going to be scoring that, and that's what you want. Like if we provide the striker service, we want the striker to be able to capitalize on that, and you know, at least who the recent sample size shows that <laughs> maybe he's ready to do this. <laughs> yeah. Because we've had plenty who couldn't do that, right? So I'm I'm quite happy that we we yeah we finally have someone who can. All right, just a quick check in. Got to hear how the balloons, the mingos, and even we got a little Aurora tidbit. Got to hear how all those teams are doing. So the doubloons win their shootout following a two-two draw, also at San Jose. They are now seventh place in the Western Conference of the MLS next with. Sorry, MLS Next Pro. They have three matches left to play. I'm not sure how many teams make the playoffs, but they're in seventh right now. If Justin was here, he'd be able to update us on that. Now, the Mingos, they lose 3-1 at Chattanooga Red Wolves. They are now sixth place with seven matches to go. The top six make, make the playoffs, so they still are in playoff position, but hopefully they get a little higher. And then Aurora... Right, yeah. They actually made the news, not only with their sweet merch that they had at the State Fair but they had another player go pro. Yeah. Tiana Harris, who was just a baller defender, I believe. Oh, I feel like I'm going to butcher this one, but I believe team of the year for the USLW. I think she was team of the year or second team of the year. She was definitely, she was definitely in there because she was great. 
she is off to uh, just a couple of countries below me. Uh, she is off to France, joining FC Fleury 91 uh, in the Division One Feminine League. So, yeah, she's going to play uh, the highest tier of French football, I think. If, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, she gets to... She gets to line up against Leon, right? One of the best teams in the yes. world. Like, that's awesome. She gets to line up against PSG. Like, good for her. Yeah. Also, uh, seven teams make it from the Western Conference into the playoffs. So currently, the doubloons are right in, but like the last place in. Great. And we are one point ahead of Houston Dynamo. So... We are we are just we are just scraping in. There you have it. Well, all right, let's talk about Minnesota United's match at San Jose. This was what night was this? Was this a Saturday night match? Yeah. So this is Tuesday afternoon that we're recording. This is a Saturday night match. I think Labor Day kind of slowed us down. But here's the lineup. Of course, it was Dane St. Clair in the goal. Rosales, Tapias, Boxall, and Valentin are back line. Valentin obviously in as DJ Taylor was out on yellow card accumulation. Our midfield, Trap and Gregus, our attacking midfield, it was Dotson on the left, Reynoso in the middle, and Tajori Shirati on the right. Up top, it was Timo Puki. We did have two subs. In the 64th minute, Ethan Bristow comes on for Tajori Shirati. And then in the 81st minute, Mender Garcia comes on for Timo Puki. That kind of seems to be Mender Garcia's role lately coming in right around the 80th minute. Now, I guess, James, I'll throw it back to you. What do we want to talk about first? Uh, the fact that we scored super early, uh, fourth minute, right? Ray, yeah, it was a beautiful bit of build-up play, and then Ray just with some ungodly vision, uh, finding Puki, who run in, Slotted in. It looked real good, man. Like, confident finish. Banged in the net. Four minutes. He immediately acknowledges Ray. Yeah. Just a great start. On the road. Scoring goals. Yeah. Oh. One thing I was going to say about scoring goals, the segue that I forgot, is because we forgot to talk about the head-to-head. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, Justin being out. Justin makes the notes. And <laughs> James and I... You know, Justin wasn't planning on being out. He's uh, he's helping out a family member who needs him right now. And yes, you know, so we were just kind of assuming that we were going to be able to be lazy all day and not have to worry about the notes. And Justin was just going to take care of it all. And that, that didn't happen. But um, we love you, Justin. So yeah, we love you, Justin. <laughs> we we miss you, Stad Daddy. <laughs> Uh, but the head-to-head, uh, we are five wins, three draws, five losses. So we're actually completely even. We've scored 25 goals against San Jose in 13 games, and they have scored 20 goals. Okay. So it's always a goal fest. Having said that, the last five games we've played against them, there have been two wins and three draws, and both of the last two wins have been the home team. Yeah. So we've played twice at PayPal Park. PayPal Park. Uh, and then we actually play them at the end of this month in Allianz. Okay. And I think I think that that's a stadium that was recently called something else. So Yes, it was called Earthquake Stadium. 
Uh, and before that, it was Avaya Stadium. Yeah, Avaya was what I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah. And we've played uh, at Allianz and TCF Bank Stadium. And of course, we played at the uh, MLS's back in the ESPN Worldwide of Sports Complex. So we have played at one, two, three, four, five, six different venue slash venue names now. <laughs> so yeah. San, yeah. San Jose would have all been the same venue, just like three different names. Yep. Yep. Changing. Changing. So 2019, it was Avaya. Then in 2020, it was Earthquakes. And now in 2022, it's 2022, it was PayPal Park. So they changed names three times in four years. Now, I, I think, right, I mean, we could talk about DSC, you being a goalkeeper yourself, or at least a former goalkeeper yourself, if, if you have any tidbits you wanted to share about DSC. I mean, the only thing I would say is that I guess kind of in the last few weeks, maybe I would say that kind of, I don't think DSC has been as amazing or, or kind of definitely the, the part of the way through this season, he didn't look as amazing as he has done before. Like there, there were a lot of goals that, that we let in. And yeah, you know, I think, I definitely saw a tweet or two being like, eh, I don't know how this is like DSC, obviously still number one, but not as performing and, and hearing chatter about that and stuff. But man, he looks real good at the moment. He's back. Uh, <laughs> he, he is looking very, very solid. So I'm, I'm happy that uh, he's, uh, he's turned that around. In the last six games, we've let in three goals. So he's, uh, yeah, he's definitely back. I mean, in, we went through a rough patch where we let in 13 goals in four games. And I get that our back line isn't our, our back. Like our summer signings haven't been defenders, I guess, Ethan Bristow. But I mean, for the most part, he's had a pretty consistent back line, but what, and I, I forget who, I forget who this was. A couple of years ago, I remember listening to Sound of the Loons and the defense had been pretty lights out in the sense that they weren't allowing very many goals. And I forget if it was Boxall or it might have even been like a Chase Gasper or someone. But someone comes on Sound of the Loons and is talking about, you know, the, the defense gets a lot of credit when actually some of the credit does need to go to the offense to do what they're supposed to do, um, you know, on their end of everything. Because that obviously is going to relieve a lot of the pressure for the defense so that the defense isn't put into as many situations where, right, the risk of allowing the goal is there. So, right, like, it seems like every year kind of the the nature of being Minnesota United is we do bring in high-profile summer transfers. I think this year was especially unique in the sense that Literally, the guy that we built our team around almost kind of feels like a summer transfer in the sense that we didn't get him until like <laughs> June uh, was when Emmanuel Reynoso was finally here. But like our team, like Minnesota United, just consistently, the team we start with is not the team that we finish with. And our team sort of is coming into not just coming into form in the way that we play, but literally coming into form in the sense that it's forming into the team that we wanted going into the season. Now that we have, right. Yeah. Now that, 
now that we have all the guys that we intended um, to, to have on this team. And I think that that's exciting. I think as a fan, it's a little bit frustrating, but I, I maybe that is sort of the nature of a Minnesota United where obviously it's more cash conscious to get a player in the summer window buying a player from a team during the winter transfer window that can start in the MLS right away, especially if you want to get that player from overseas, those teams aren't super inclined to sell you those players for their market value. They're much more inclined to sell you those players in the summer than they are in the winter. So I think that this is just sort of the nature of Minnesota United in the way that they do business in the way that they buy players is you get to the summer and they really start hitting their stride now last summer and i'm gonna knock on wood again i'm always a little stitious so (laughs) knock on wood like last summer we were looking really hot around this time and then had a really rubbish september so let's hope that that's not going to repeat let's hope that history does not repeat itself because we went from being like the hottest team in the league last year to falling into the playoffs yes but Dane St. Clair looks good. The team looks good. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing that does not look good, because this is going to be a good segue, and VAR sucks. <laughs> like, this, just, look, okay, firstly, let's talk about it. Um, absolutely banging goal. Right? Reynoso gets it back, crosses it, like, basically passes it to Pookie. Pookie just obliterates this ball into the top of the net over the keeper, through the keeper, really. Uh, wonderful goal. Hits Reynoso's shoulder. Not a handball. I don't think... I don't think anywhere that's a handball. Honestly. Like, I don't, I don't understand how that's a handball, firstly. But secondly, like, VAR is just so stupid in this situation, right? Like... Here's the, here's the official wording that, that is like verbatim out of it. A video assistant referee, VAR, is a match official with independent access to match footage who may assist the referee only in the event of a clear and obvious error or serious missed incident in relation to A, goal slash no goal. We don't need the rest. Penalty, red card, mistaken identity if you send the wrong player off, et cetera, et cetera. Clear and obvious error. Like, I don't think that's a clear and obvious error, but also the fact that you spend that long at the VAR looking at the replay like 20 times and it you're looking at like three frames repeatedly should... If you can't see yeah, an error in the first two times, maybe three times you watch it, it's not clear and obvious. Right. And like... We've been screaming this in the NFL. We've been screaming this in college football. We've been screaming this in the EPL. Yeah, Premier League, yeah. You know, it's not fun for anyone to just wait while the official goes over, you know, every little pixel of a shot to determine what happened. Now, in this case, I don't think the official needed to go over every pixel of the shot. I think it was relatively clear to the naked eye where the ball hit. And to me, that's not a handball. I would love to hear an explanation as to why the official believed that that was a handball. Um, I don't, I don't have an explanation um, that I've gotten from any of the officials or the MLS or anything like that. 
as always, we never get those explanations. Um, I've been complaining about this forever. Like if you guys are so smart and you are seeing things that we don't see as fans, gosh, it would be nice for you to just enlighten us. You know, the, those of us who you want to be invested into your game and pay money to get Apple TV and to buy your jerseys and your other merch and go to games and, you know, get on a microphone for free and talk about it to anyone willing to listen and kind of promote your product that way. Gosh, it would be nice if you would just enlighten us a little bit. You have a, I don't want to say a big TV contract, but you have a, you know, a pretty solid, pretty funded crew in Apple TV. You can't tell me that there can't be someone dedicated to being an officiating expert. You know, in the NFL, you get to hear from Mike Pereira, who's going to talk about going like, to go to New York. Like, yeah. yeah, here's our rules expert. Like, what do they have to say? I don't understand why the MLS can't have that. You can't tell me that someone's not willing to do that for a relatively reasonable wage. You can't yeah. tell me that that would be that hard. If, if this actually was a handball, explain it to us. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that I, that I noticed in the women's world cup, right. Was that, Every time there was a VAR decision, just like the NFL referees, actually, they talked to the crowd about what happened, right? Yeah. Like, and that was great. And I think the, the corny bit aside where I think the, I think the U.S. coverage, is it the U, was it, is it the MLS or was it the, like the, the USLW that was like the so-and-so rules of the game and then we'd talk about like offside or something like rubbish but uh yeah i mean yeah i wouldn't like, be surprised if that existed in world cup coverage just because you do get so many casual fans or even not people that aren't even necessarily fans yet they're just tuning in because it's exciting yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no and i i agree i mean just like the the only the only kind of content that I see around it is when Andrew Weeby does like the the YouTube video where they kind of go through all those decisions and and talk about whether it's a handball or not or or a goal or not. But did he do one for this? I uh, see. That's what I'm just about thinking. I'm thinking I need to go onto YouTube and see if he's done yeah. one yet. Um, well, hey, you go you go check that quick because you know I I just wanted to say like I remember when the EPL was first implementing VAR and to the MLS's credit, I didn't feel the same way about the way that the MLS implemented VAR, but I just remembered this feeling again. So this was what, like 2019, 2020. I just remembered feeling like I could never celebrate a goal because someone was zooming in to determine if someone's fingernail was offside or if someone's, you know, hair was offside. It, it was like just the most ridiculous, like this isn't the spirit of what we wanted. We wanted to make sure that we weren't getting just screwed by just bad decisions. We weren't when, when fans kind of wanted technology to be introduced into the officiating, we weren't thinking that it was going to sort of lean towards ruling goals out. Right. We were kind of just, expecting it to correct the things that all of us at home can pretty blatantly tell needed to be corrected, right? There were enough things that, you know, Luis Suarez biting someone and then going on to, you know, uh -huh. 
score an equalizer. Like that's what we wanted VAR to do. You know, the things that were just screaming at the TV, like, did you not just see him bite someone? Like you're not going to kick him out and then you're going to allow him to score an equalizer. Like that was what we wanted VAR for. We didn't want VAR to, you know, make these just really nitpicky decisions. And then we certainly didn't want VAR to make wrong decisions, which we're seeing that VAR seems capable of making wrong decisions too. And that's frustrating. So did we be have anything? Yeah. I'm just listening to it now. Okay. So basically what they say, it isn't actually Andrew Weeby this time. It's someone else, but what they, uh, David Gass, but basically what they say is that Renoso uses his arm that is away from his body in an unnatural position to control the ball. That's why okay. it's a correct decision that it's not a goal. So they're saying that his arm is in an unnatural position away from his body and he uses that to control the ball. So that he slightly nudges his shoulder yeah. a little but bit. It, like if it's shoulder, it should be fine. But like, yeah, like shoulder, upper arm in this case. That's that's what that's what they say on the instant replay. So they say it's correct. Okay, and they're saying it's clear and obvious. Obviously, no. they would be saying it's clear. <laughs> no. I, I mean, to me, that that's where the other part of this is: is that was it clear and obvious? Could you blatantly tell that Ray was in fact using his upper arm to try to control the ball? Or is there any doubt? Because if there is any doubt, then VAR should not come in in favor of that. The same way, if it was the opposite, if that was rolled a handball right away and that goal was never declared a goal, right? VAR should make the no goal stand. If right in NFL, that's the difference between the call stands and the call is confirmed. Yeah, and the the thing about it is that's also like when you actually watch it, um, it's the fact that his arm is in an unnatural position, but actually that's how he's moving. Like he is moving that way with his arm because this ball is like going in front of him. So he's actually running that way to try and get to the ball and he's moving his, his arm in the running motion and then it hits the ball. So then it's like, that's even less clear and obvious because it looks like he's just running normally and then it's, yeah, it's, it's so difficult to tell, man. Like it is so unbelievably hard to tell that because in real time, it looks like it looks totally in, in real time. He does not even move his arm that much. It's only when you slow it down that his arm is coming forward because that's how he's running. So it's not even clear and obvious when you look at it like that, but you just look at where the arm, if you look at only where the ball hits the arm, then it kind of looks like in an unnatural position. But if you watch it in real time, the man is literally just running <laughs> like in his arms moving normally, man. It's so, but if you only take the frames from the other side, which is what they do, right? Like they look at like him face on, but if you look at him back on like the TV coverage does, it looks like he's just running like normal. 
Yeah. But it doesn't look like he's stuck his arm out at all. Right. So it's even like it's even less clear and obvious. That's that's the point. Like it was not clear and obvious. It took them however many times of looking at three or four frames to work this out. It's a goal. Like, yeah. At the end of the day, it's a goal. It's it not clear and obvious. Really frustrating. Now, please send me that link and maybe a timestamp, and I'll put that in the show notes so if people want to check it out themselves, they know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll uh, appreciate I'll that. Yeah, but yeah, man. Just- yeah. I mean, other, other than that, it, I mean, it wasn't a, right. It, it, it wasn't a bad game. I, I think Minnesota United looked better in the first half than in the second half. You, you know, I, there definitely were parts of the second half where I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be content with a draw, <laughs> you know, um, right. San Jose had 18 shots to our 14. They had 18 tackles to our 10. They had five fouls to our 11. Um, possession was relatively even. We had 51% of the possession. We had 1.9 XG. They had 1.7. Yeah. Our XG lately, really not that bad. We've only lost one out of the last nine games in terms of XG. No, uh, we've actually only lost one of the last nine games total. Oh, that's not XG. That's that's not XG. No, we're... We've lost uh, three of the last nine games in XG, but we've actually only lost, lost, lost one of those games, which was uh, Austin when we lost 4-1 at home. Oh, we've had a draw, a win. We had a draw 2 all against Real Salt Lake, a 4-1 win over Portland, a 1-4 loss to Austin, a 3-0 over Houston, a one all with LAFC, a 2-0 over New York City, a one all draw to Seattle, a 3-0 win over Colorado, and a one all draw to San Jose. So, yeah, we, uh, after a five match unbeaten start, then we had five losses out of six. And now we've, we've kind of steadied the ship and have one loss out of the last nine games. Yeah. So the season really winding down, we have eight games left. Yeah. We have eight games left. Obviously this Sunday we're playing new England doomsday and I should be there assuming again, assuming he doesn't (laughs) uninvite me. And then, right, October 22nd is the final game of the regular season. That is the decision day where we we go to Kansas City. So we get to see our regional rivals for decision day. But, yeah, we're in, we're in seventh place right now. So we're, we're in playoff position, which is good. And we've had pretty solid form lately, so that is also good. But we are still in seventh place. How tight everything is is pretty amazing. So just, just an update on all of this, like St. Louis, 47 points. They seem pretty out of reach for us, but Seattle in second place with 41 points, they're only five points ahead of us. And we have two games in hand. We've played 26 games. They've played 28. So we're 26 games with 36 points. They're 28 games with 41 points. We can catch them. LAFC has played 26 games. They're at 40 points. Real Salt Lake, they're at 27 games, and they've scored 40 points. So, again, we got a game in hand on them. Houston Dynamo, they are in striking position from us. We have a game in hand on them, and they're only three points ahead of us with 39 points. They Vancouver, do. 
So they do have a plus four goal differential on us. So we yes. need to have a big win. Yes, we, we need to have a big game, big win, but they are in striking distance. Vancouver, we're two points behind them. We've each played 26 games. They have 38 points. But what we're getting at is the teams in front of us, we can catch them pretty easily if our form keeps up the way that it is. I mean, I, I guess the downside to that, though, is that the teams behind us aren't that far behind us, frankly. No, like LA Galaxy, who are 13th out of 14, have a game on us and are seven points away. And they have two games on most of the people around us. Yeah. So they can, if they win those two, would go to 35 points and they would almost be in. Right. Like, they would shoot up four spots on the table, four or five spots. Like that's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, so we're at 36 points. Austin in 10th place, just outside of the playoffs. They have 33 points. We do have a game in hand on Austin, but they're only three points behind us. You know, Sporting Kansas City, they're only four points behind us. Again, we have a game in hand, but you think about like who we're going to be facing on decision day late in the season, like that game could very much matter a lot. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at our run in, we have New England. Okay. They're in the, the other conference, but then it's all Western conference on the way in it's LA galaxy twice. So we need to definitely beat them. Sporting Kansas uh, City twice. Yeah, Sporting KC twice, who are also below us. Uh, San Jose, who are below us, technically. Equal on points, but below us, and we have a game in hand. LAFC, who are third and four points ahead. Same amount of games. And St. Louis, who are top of the table and probably running away with it. Looking great. Yeah, the thing is, Colorado is like proper out-out. Yeah. <laughs> They have 19 points. They just fired their coach today. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty they're pretty done-done. And the fact, even with Messi, I think means that Colorado might be the Spooners, unless Toronto also fails to do anything. Yeah. Damn, wow. I mean, that's, that's just... It's crazy. I, I mean, and this is what I love about a parody league, and, and this is why I kind of... I'm always hesitant about the idea of getting rid of some of these salary structures and just letting the LA's and the Miami's and the New York's of the world just buy whoever they want is these parody leagues are fun. These, these parody leagues are a lot of fun that St. Louis is a new team and they're just smashing it. That Cincinnati has come from being the joke of the league. And now they're sort of the darlings of the league like that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's cool Messi's, Messi is here. It's cool Messi and all his best friends came over and they're pairing it up in Miami. That is really cool. I hope they don't win. And I mean, they're still, they are still, uh, what, two games behind most of the Eastern Conference and they are eight points away from the playoffs. So they're still not guaranteed to get in. Yeah. Like it's more likely than not likely with, with, nine games to go and the U.S. Open Cup final, but it can still not happen. Yeah. I'm sure the MLS, as long as Miami wins the 
U.S. Open Cup and qualifies for the Champions League. Though they already qualified for the Champions League, so the MLS doesn't care about that at this point. No, so Houston needs to win. That's the story here. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's a good point. If Inter-Miami win, will Houston get the default spot because they come second? I don't know how that works. Yeah, for Champions League qualification. Yeah, I I don't know how that works. Hmm. I'm gonna. We we will we will we will use some uh, what is it? Some corporate talk. We'll uh, we'll come back around to that. We'll circle back uh, at some point <laughs> in the future when we when we work out what exactly that is. Um, it's yeah. easy to not really think much about Champions League qualification because other than when we were in the, you know, other than when we kind of advanced in tournaments, right? the MLS is back tournament, the U S open cup. Um, even like when we were in the Western conference final, like those were the times when I'm thinking about champions league qualification, like, Oh, if we can only do this, um, we can make the champions league. But other, other than that, I've never really felt like we were that close to the champions league. So I haven't really thought much about the qualification scenarios. And then those, right. It just keeps changing. There's going to be more teams in next year and whatever. It just keeps changing. It's hard to keep track of. Yeah. I guess we will find out uh, once. Uh, yeah, I guess if Inter Miami win, we'll find out what happens. Yeah, uh, I think that's the. Yeah, that's the real question. But yeah, oh, cool. I don't really have anything else. I don't really either. I mean, we obviously we talked about the Wednesday game in the last episode, so. Yeah. All the other podcasts out there, they have been consistent with their episode releases where we've been a little irregular, I guess you could say. Yeah. But hey, that's what, that's what happens, you know? School's <laughs> back in session. School's back in session, yeah. Wedding School's, coming up. You know. Yeah, you're getting married. Oh, I didn't quickly. even do the thing. I got Taylor Swift tickets. That's, oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about that. <laughs> oh, man. We got so distracted. Yeah. That was crazy. Like, I don't understand why everyone's had such a problem. Uh, I went on a wait list and then I got emailed today like, hey, there's tickets available and you're, uh, you're good to go. So I sat in a queue of 660 people um, and I was in the queue and I can tell you how long in the queue because I was frantically messaging Carmen who was in a meeting and was just not responding, which makes sense. Um, I sat in a queue for three minutes and 665 people went to zero in three minutes. And then I got in and I purchased tickets for 159 euros for two tickets in a seated area. I'm happy for you. In, the top, at the, in the, the top tier, yeah. Is it at the IX stadium? Yeah, the Johan Krauf Arena. Yeah, I, I'm happy for you. I'm psyched for you. I, I guess I would say two things. One, um, I think you guys had the kinks worked out for you by the time ticket sales started in Europe, right? Like you had yeah, the disaster. I, oh. You had the disaster on this side of the pond when tickets went on sale because and Australia, the, Australia and was Australia. also a proper disaster. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't have the website crash like so many so many Americans have happened to them. I guess the other thing that you have to benefit from is like, I didn't, I didn't realize this concert was going to be so big. I remember going on StubHub 
or SeatGeek or one of those things just to see, like, you know, Taylor Swift is one of my wife's favorites. And I was like, you know, I just spent a decent amount on Blink tickets. I had a lot of fun seeing Blink. Maybe I should get some tickets for Taylor Swift for my wife. And I was ready to be like a good husband. And I was going to spend what I consider a ridiculous amount of money. Like I was probably willing to spend like $200 a ticket. Which again, I I think would be a ridiculous amount of money, especially to sit up high. You know, and and if I would have saw that they were all like $300, I might have even did that just to sit up high. But you get on SeatGeek or whatever, and tickets weren't going for 200 or 300. They were going for like a thousand, and they were the worst seats. And it was just for a single ticket. You couldn't like sit next to someone. Um, like, so you'd pay like a thousand dollars after all the fees for a single ticket in like the worst spot in the entire stadium. And I was like, no, we're, we're not doing that. (laughs) But I I did find out that there is a recording of it. That's going to be released in cinemas, which is going to be pretty (laughs) cool. And even, even that, like that's not out yet, but even that is already starting to break box office records just in terms of ticket pre-sales to see the recording of one of her concerts. So, so I like, I had some, uh, like people I know in Australia who managed to buy Taylor Swift tickets, but it was like LA or, or somewhere else. And they basically flew to the U S to watch Taylor Swift and then like flew home two days later or something. Worth but it. then I was talking to one of my Australian friends and apparently a lot of Americans who couldn't get tickets in the U S went and bought tickets for a straight her Australia part of the tour. So like a lot of Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane tickets went to Americans as well, who were just purchasing them from the U S just to be able to go and see her. But yeah, uh, in total, it was $170 for two tickets to go and see her. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, you're like, I did very good. Yeah. My, uh, Carmen was, uh, was super happy. So that was, uh, thick. Yeah. No, like Justin's wife got to go to both of the Minneapolis shows, my sister-in-law got to go. She's not even like that big of a fan. Like, so my, <laughs> my wife is a huge fan. Her sister's kind of like, yeah, she's good. Uh, but my, my sister-in-law got to go. And, but like next time these go on sale, I, I am going to do whatever I need to do. I might even pay James to get the tickets for me since he seems to be a little bit better at this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was weird as well. Like I went on the website and she had announced three dates, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm actually going the 4th of July. There you go. There you go. That's, uh, yeah. Um, so she announced Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then when I went on the website, like Friday, Saturday were completely sold out. But the Thursday had like a bunch of tickets. Like you could, you could spend 250 bucks a ticket for like the proper, like premium seating. And I was like, I'm not going to drop 500 euros, but I, cause that is excessively outrageous for me for a concert sure because i like i haven't been to a concert in years and next year we're going to james blunt and taylor swift so i'm basically just ticking off all the things actually boys next blunt? To yeah i didn't even mention this yeah i got james blunt tickets did I'm, someone I'm pay you excited. to take them no i love <laughs> james blunt look you give me I shit about michelle branch but oh man i love i love james blunt <laughs> i haven't heard that name like 
because he was just was he bigger over there than he was here like here he had here he had the um beautiful good you're beautiful and then the goodbye my lover and he just sort of exploded with that one cd and like everyone had that one cd and then he just completely disappeared he he was bigger over there yeah 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 he also like he had like heart to heart and bonfire heart and they were like quite big songs as well and yeah like he just released a new single like four weeks ago as well like he just had a new album that's what it was like if you pre-ordered the new album or like you could pre-order the new album and then you could get like a pre-sale access or you could just get the pre-sale access for free which is what i did and then uh so what kind of venues is he playing in so like taylor swift is playing in nfl stadiums and like I access stadium. Yeah, so yeah, like, like European big. football giants. You know their their stadiums. I I'm sure she's playing Wembley and you know um, the Allianz Arena. I'm sure she's playing. I'm sure she's doing things like that. Where's James Blunt opening? Uh, he is at the Afas Concert Hall, uh, which is literally next to the Johan Cruyff Arena. So he's in like the concert hall that's next to the stadium. Okay. So is so it like, like pretty big acts go to that venue? Uh, I actually have no idea. Okay. Because I don't, I don't go to any concerts. So I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, I, can, I can try and look it up. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, James Blunt. So February, he's, uh, he's going to be there, which is... Uh, gonna be sick but i i don't know who else actually plays there okay that's yeah yeah i sorry i just didn't realize he was still doing stuff yep and honestly he is hilarious on twitter as well or x okay i'm gonna call it now like he 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 is proper funny so yeah jimmy carr jimmy carr's gonna be performing there like the comedian uh luke coombs Luke Combs, Luke Combs. He's doing a world tour at the FS. Yeah. That was the one that I hadn't heard of. That's uh I think you would have heard of this one. Uh Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy, yep. Uh their drummer is from Wisconsin. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. Yep. Heard of them. Um Okay, so yeah, so like it's he's at a massive, he's at a pretty legit venue. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sting, Sting will be there. So yeah, like it, it's it's fairly reasonable. Like it's not like Taylor Swift levels, but it's not you know right. Like a okay. back alley. Yeah, I was just trying to gauge it. Like you yeah, know, like I also didn't know who else was performing, so I had to look that up. So it, yeah, I, I was like, is he kind of playing just like actually right? Like we were talking about fairs earlier. Like in the United States, kind of a joke is that a lot of hazards, not necessarily the Minnesota State Fair, because the Minnesota State Fair gets some pretty big acts. Like we just had, who do we have? Like Duran Duran. We had, I forget, they're, they were the Dixie Chicks. I forget what they're going by now. Um, so some pretty big acts play the Minnesota State Fair. But kind of the joke is, is that everyone that's washed up will go on the county fair circuit. And <laughs> I, I was like, nice. You know, to are me, we, are we there? someone like is that, is James Blunt might be doing the European version of the county fair circuit, but clearly not. Not if Sting is, you know, also playing the same venue. So, 
Okay. Props to James Blunt. I did not know. Props to James Blunt. And I'm not knocking people that play the small venues. Like most of the people I see are in the smaller venues. Like, you know, I'm oh, I've, like the best concert yeah. of my life was in a, like a, a nightclub. And that was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I saw Nightwish in a, in a, just like in a, basically a nightclub in Fremantle. And it was the best thing ever. But they're cool. Yeah. They're cool. Well, yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Apart from my concert tickets? I don't think so. I think, uh, I mean, look, NFL's back. I'm excited for that, to be honest. Um, I'm not excited for how my team's looking. Uh, but hey, I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. I, it just came out that the Colts and the Packers are both in the top three for youngest teams in the NFL. Yeah. Also came out that uh, we tried to trade Jonathan Taylor to the Packers, um, but uh, that did not work. So here we are. It did not work. Yeah. Apparently the Packers were willing to pay Jonathan Taylor, but didn't want to give up much to the Colts to get and the Jonathan Colts Taylor. were like, we want a first round pick, obviously, because. Yeah, but you can't was... get a first round pick for someone that's just going to walk if you don't pay them. So. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Also, Rugby World Cup, for those of you who are interested in the Rugby Union, that starts this weekend. Man, oh. there's a lot of sport going on. That would, I mean, I feel like that would be a lot of fun to watch. That would, I mean, you were talking earlier about American broadcasts of the World Cup explaining things that seem relatively basic to, you know, to a European audience. I would need to watch the Rugby World Cup with someone just talking to me like I was a kindergartner. I yeah, no, don't okay. understand rugby at all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> and for cricket, I would need someone to explain it to me like I was. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I would need someone to explain it to me like I didn't even know what a ball was. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Well, I'm, yeah. Okay. So, you know, in NFL, we're going to like just want in NFL, you know how like a forward, if you throw it forward, that's a pass. Yeah. In rugby, it's exclusively backwards. So I know that. the complete opposite. <laughs> I remember when I was a university student in England playing, they wanted to play American football. So one of the guys had brought a American football and they want the, the Brits wanted us to show them how it was done. So we go into this field and we kind of line up and we kind of, do, you know, like playground, two-hand touch rules and explain those to them. And I remembered being just so frustrated at when, when I was on defense, I was so frustrated with how much they would pitch the damn ball uh, backwards because that's just not something that Americans playing the game, especially like at the playground level, like we're just not used to that. Yeah, And it was so hard to, you know, get them or, you know, tag them two-hand touch style. It was so hard to tag them so that they would be down because they would just keep pitching the ball back. And they were just so <laughs> inclined to go behind their own teammate, right? Like Americans yeah, yeah, they would be would, more yeah. inclined to go in front of their teammate and block for them and get in the way of the defender where the Brits would be more inclined to go behind them and get ready for the pitch backwards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they would basically just transform it into rugby and you're like, no, like, yeah. <laughs> it was just so frustrating. Uh, All right, really. man. Anyway, 
Yeah. Shoot. I'll have to. Yeah, I like I like the Rugby World Cup. That's uh that's a fun one. Yeah, England are not going to do very well. Uh, I can tell you that much. We we are looking terrible right now. So come on, Australia. <clears throat> let's uh, let's do this. <laughs> I can't imagine the U.S. has a team in the Rugby World Cup. Uh, actually, you might because you're not you're not terrible at rugby. Okay, like, you're not you're not the most amazing nation in the world. Uh, oh, you didn't make this rugby World Cup. Okay. I mean, it gets like no coverage. It gets like no coverage over here. Okay. You you have been in rugby world cups before. That that is a hundred percent sure. Um let me rephrase that. I bet the coverage it gets in the United States is probably similar to like the coverage that the USL gets, where it's like occasionally on TV and you're like, What's this? (laughs) Yeah, I mean I yeah. I I would never see USL over here, but yeah, I'm assuming uh yeah, it would be the same. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the 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 US has has played in a tournament or two. Yeah, I'm I'm almost positive of that, but yeah, the rugby and specifically the US national rugby team gets yeah, no attention. No attention over here. I do know like there are people like I knew people in college that played rugby and they were kind of into it and they would yeah. they would talk about it and you know This is actually play. uh only the second time the U.S. has not made it, and the first time that Canada has not made it. Okay. So there's some North American bias there, because I guess, like, somehow... Maybe it's easier to qualify from our confederation or region or whatever they call it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I don't see any North American teams in there, so I'm assuming they did something different this year. Yeah. But there you go. It, it's The U.S. has it on NBC Sports. Nice. That's legit. That's legit. Yeah. Very cool. According to Wikipedia. But there you go. Lots of sport, people. Wait, and NBC Sports doesn't exist anymore, so it's probably on USA or Peacock or whatever. All right. Anyway. Oh, yeah. This was in 2017. Uh, they did a news article. They inked a deal for the rights through to 2023. So, I guess. Sure. Yeah. So, it's on whatever NBC's properties are that they want to show rugby on. <laughs> yeah, basically. All right, Yo, man. Well, let's, let's we've sign off. on long enough as the two of us. <laughs> let's sign off. It's good talking to you, though. Sounds good. All right. Until next time, peace out and pod on you loons. Peace out. Pod on you loons. Pod on with your bad self. Peace.